Do you want to say something funky or random? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, plants. Ah! Yeah, grow native. I blew out the mic. I blew out the mic. I can't use that. That's probably a good thing. That's probably a- I want to ask you a question. Do you have plants at home? Do you know where those plants come from? What are their names? What country, continent do they evolve on? Where they even got shipped from to make it to your house? Let me ask you another question. How many native Virginia plants can you even name? Off the top of your head, count them on your fingers. Go ahead, I'll wait. Not dandelions, those are from Europe. Or English ivy, that is, you guessed it, from England. And right about now, you might be thinking, Who even is this sassy teenager? And why do they care so much? Don't worry. Sit tight. Buckle up, buttercup. You're about to find out. Hey, y'all. I'm Shoshan Ferguson, and you're listening to the Arlington Amp Podcast. If you hadn't already guessed it, we're talking about native plants today because as it turns out, they are really, really important. So important that I made my mom drive me all the way out to Hampton, Virginia to visit a native plant nursery called Watermark Woods and to meet with an awesome lady named Julie Borneman who runs the place. Today on the show, we'll talk to Julie about why native plants matter and how to get your hands on them. Let me set the scene for you. Imagine a small clearing surrounded by trees. You can feel the sun on your back. There's a rooster crowing. People milling all around. And plastic tables all covered with potted plants. Sitting down on a bench in front of the gift shop is Julie. I'll let her talk now. I've always loved gardening. My family has always had a big garden. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, so you could grow anything there. The soil is really nice. And then I moved out here to Virginia where it's a little bit more challenging. And I stayed at home with my kids. And then when they got into middle school, they said, mom, don't come to school anymore. You need to find a hobby. You know, it's embarrassing having you at school all the time. So we started this nursery in 2014, and it's just every year it gets bigger and bigger, and we add more and more species to our list, and we are still the only nursery in Loudoun County that grows pesticide-free, 100% native plants. Why does having native species matter to local wildlife? So native plants and the local wildlife evolved for millions of years together so a lot of them have very specialized relationships and so it's important to have those native species that have evolved together both the flora and the fauna so a good example of that is the pawpaw tree which is endemic to most of the southeastern united states and the zebra swallowtail sure the zebra swallowtail is is a butterfly and the only plant that it can raise its young on is the pawpaw leaves and so without pawpaw leaves for those little caterpillars to eat there's no food for them and we can't make new zebra swallowtails if we don't have pawpaw trees 
So because they evolved together over millions of years, that specialized relationship is very important. And same with monarchs and milkweed and you know, a whole host of other species have that highly specialized relationship. This strategy for bringing back native wildlife to the area is clearly paying off for Julie and Watermark Woods. We saw like three hummingbirds in the short time I was there. Apparently there are frogs living under the tables. There are so many pollinators, I'm pretty sure I accidentally swallowed one. And I mean, can you hear all the bird song? Being here makes me feel so happy and like, what birds have you seen that you didn't see before this? Oh, so we have some great birds here. We have a whippoorwill, which comes through in the spring. What does that look like? it's a small bird. It's considered a nightjar because you really only see or hear them at night. And um, it's one that in our county, um, there's been no documented sightings of a whippoorwill since the 70s. So, you know, I got to get it recorded or something to document it. But we, I've heard it every year for four or five years now, which is really cool. People come in all the time and they'll tell us, you know, I, I planted milkweed and now I have monarchs or, you know, I planted pipevine and now I have pipevine swallowtails which we've never seen before. Uh, we have had people come in with kind of the opposite stories which have been interesting. They bought a plant at Home Depot. They came home and planted it. The next morning they came out. There's a hummingbird right over there. See him on the Monarda. Oh my god. Okay. Went to visit something else. Um, and they, they come home. They plant their plant from Home Depot and the next day underneath the plant all dead bees because they use pesticides and so those pesticides go into the plant and it kills the pests which Home Depot or larger growers think are the bees or um, you know caterpillars that are going to eat holes in the leaves and people don't want bees you know we went with my husband the other day picking up mulch at Home Depot and you know we were looking at all the plants out there's not a single insect hanging around those plants so that is a red flag. If yeah. You're, look, if you're, I think maybe a good metaphor is it's the same thing with like straight people dating. If you're, if your boyfriend who's a guy has no friends, who's a girl, no girl, <laughs> no friends who are girls. That is a huge red flag. That is a huge red flag. Cause that means they may not be able to be friends with you. So like same thing with bugs. If a plant has no bugs around it, that means it's not friendly. Right. Right. So one interesting thing that we've noticed since we um, started the nursery is, so we spent a couple years coming out here as a family, cleaning up the property, restoring the property, and um, we would always be just laying on the bug spray like crazy. But like, I mean, if you notice, have you been seeing any mosquitoes or bugs or anything like while we're out here? Because we have so many birds and dragonflies that we plant for, they eat all those bugs and mosquitoes. I rarely get a mosquito bite. Like twice a year I'll have one or two mosquito bites and that's it. I know there's often this concept in our culture of wildlife is dangerous and um, you know, it's an evil and it's a monster and it's a beast (laughs) in the woods. And oh no, it will steal your Ferrari and take it for a joyride. How accurate do you find that sentiment? Well, it's, you know, they were all here first, right? We're squatters on nature's land. And 
we need to learn to coexist with nature. You know, we have to live harmoniously with nature because we can't live without nature, but nature can live without us. So if humans disappeared, nature would be just fine. It would recover, it would be better off. But if nature were to disappear, so would humans. We can't survive without nature. What is the, what is the sort of ecological impact of the traditional, like, grass and, like, flower lawn? Well, nothing. I mean, there's no, nothing survives in that kind of uh, lawn, you know, grubs, because they eat, they like the roots. But, you know, there's no pollinators there. It just sucks up resources. It's probably the biggest money suck most homeowners have is mowing their grass, either paying a service to do it, or you have to buy a lawnmower, you have to put gas in it, and then they're putting all that into the environment and it's time so and then they fertilize it which is money and all sorts of nitrogen runoffs from that so there's no value to the lawn we need to really start rethinking how we look at our landscapes that they not only can they be beautiful but they also have to provide a, perver- a purpose for the environment so one thing when, so I just graduated from high school and one thing I was always trying to figure out is how do I get access to native plants? They're not at Home Depot. I don't have a car. My parents don't have time to drive me all the way out here. <laughs> this was a, this was an hour drive. Uh, and, but like, I know that there are native plants in the woods and I know that there are native plants just growing all around or in my neighbor Bill's yard, mm-hmm. you know, what are good ways to sort of you know, ask people for those plants or harvest those plants from the wild? So it is, it's illegal to harvest plants from the wild um, and seeds or cuttings, anything like that. People do it, but it's, it's not good for the environment because that'll destroy the native population. You can get a permit to do stuff like that, but the best thing would be to talk to your neighbor, Bill, and get to know him and what does he like about plants. And maybe you could, you know, help him grow something or you could trade, you know, maybe you could help him with his gardening and he'd give you some plants or, you know, just find those relationships and other people who are like-minded, who like native plants and just strike up those friendships and things will spider web from there and you'll get to know, know people, know more things. You'll find more avenues and, you know, there's so much information on the internet and you can mail order anything these days, including plants and seeds and stuff like that. So the focus of the story at least was supposed to be sort of how do you get access to these plants when mm-hmm. you don't have any money or any resources okay. or any time. Uh, what are the ways you've seen people sort of adapt when they don't either have a lot of, like they don't have, you know, all the space you have mm-hmm. or, you know, the time to put into the gardening? So they don't require a ton of care because once they get established because they've evolved here. Um, if you, you know, don't have the money to buy the plants, you know, maybe find one plant like mountain mint that's a fairly aggressive plant or that uh, golden ground cell that we saw over there plant that and let it take over an area now you've got your area filled but you can also pull up those plants and trade with friends find a plant swap in the area a lot of those um, ecologically minded groups do so host plant swaps even some libraries will host a plant swap you go to the library you bring your plants and everybody brings their plants and then they just make trades so there's a lot of ways, you know, you can be creative about getting plants. What about people in apartments? What can they do? So th- it's interesting. If you look at the Audubon at Home program and the uh, 
they can certify your yard, your apartment, anywhere as a wildlife habitat. And the program was specifically designed so that, you know, homeowners can do it if you have 100 acres or one acre or a quarter acre or if you live in an apartment. So you can do it on your balcony or your patio and you can plant in pots. And native plants grow great in pots. And a lot of the species that are at risk um, are fly-in species. So if, you know, they have a list of 30 species and if you get 10 of those species, you can get certified. That's like the basis of the program. They let the animals decide. If the animals come to your property, you're a wildlife habitat. So there's a lot of plants you can plant in pots on your deck that insects can come in and visit and you can get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of watching them come too. Hummingbirds and dragonflies and all the sorts of bees and butterflies and stuff. What's changed in your understanding of native plants over the years? Um, well, it's been quite a learning experience. In my my background is computer science, not anything to do with plants. So is my mom's. Oh yeah, that's cool. And so when I got into this, I really had to like start back at square one. I went uh, to the local high school and took their uh, horticulture class for a year, right alongside of all the, the high school students um, at the academies of Loudoun. And um, I learned so much and just my understanding of what plants need and, um, you know, every plant is so different and you can't just force a plant. If it doesn't like sun, it's not going to grow in sun. And so you really have to watch the plants and see what they like. So I think that patience and kind of letting go and listening to the plants and not forcing them to do what I want them to do has been quite a learning experience. But it's also been very rewarding. You know, like we'll sit here. We usually eat lunch over there on the benches. And we will just sit there and watch the butterflies come feed on the Joe Pieweed. And it's really cool, you know, just to sit there and watch them. So the rewards are by far outweigh all the work. I think I have the best job in the world because I get to be outside as much as I want to. I work with great people. Plant people are always happy people. And, you know, there's so many studies that being out in nature, you know, helps you live longer, improves your attitude, and, you know, makes you healthier, you get more oxygen. And I'm getting all this social contact with people who think the same way I do. So it's a lot of fun. Anything you want to say before we head out? I don't think so. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for this coming has been out. Awesome. That was Julie Borneman, she, her. Julie's native plant nursery is Watermark Woods in Hampton, Virginia. Like Julie mentioned, there are so many ways to start your own native garden if you live in Northern VA. We'll link to all the resources Julie mentioned and a few extras in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Arlington Amp podcast. I am Shoshan Ferguson, they, them. The role of Shoshan Ferguson in this episode was voiced by me, Sho Fergie Ferguson. Julie Borneman played herself. Music in this episode was provided by the one and only Blue Dot Sessions. Special shout out in this episode to my parents for putting up with all my nonsense as I put up with theirs. And to all my amazing co-interns at Arlington Independent Media. This story was produced as part of Arlington Independent Media's Youth Journalism Initiative. 
To join or support our local reporting work here in Arlington, check out AIM's website, www.arlingtonmedia.org. Thank you.